Hi, uh, my name's Tracy Onslow and I'm Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner for West Mercia and we're here to have um, a conversation around violence against uh, women and girls, um, particularly pertinent over the last um, year or so. so. Hi, my name is Jocelyn Anderson and I'm the Chief Exec for West Mercia Rape and Sexual Abuse Support Centre. Hi, I'm Sue Conwin and I'm the Chief Exec of West Mercia Women's Aid and we work with the victims of domestic abuse. Hi everyone, I'm Nicola Lowry, I'm the Assistant Police Crime Commissioner for West Mercia. I'm very passionate about working um, with victims particularly and delighted to be here today talking about a really important cause which I think is close to all our hearts um, on focus against violence against women and girls and what we can do to proactively support victims. Um, and prevent, obviously, further crimes taking place. So, no, great to be here. We put this to, to um, Nick first. Is um, What does VORG mean to you personally? I think violence against women and girls is something that's affected, uh, I know, so many in our community, particularly in the north of the um, force in West Mercia, particularly in an area that I'm from, which is Telford and Rekin, and obviously the wider Shropshire area. Um, I know it's something that is very conscious in my mind as a woman, um, that it is something that is, whilst West Mercia is very safe, um, it's something that's very national um, in terms of a topic that a lot of people are focusing on, particularly with the uh, well-known um, uh, tragic case of Sarah Ebb. Um, so to me personally, it's something that I'm very passionate about trying to support in terms of actually supporting victims, survivors, uh, but equally looking very heavily on the preventative side. I don't think it should always come down to women and girls to have to protect themselves. And whilst that is an important part of feeling confident and safe in our community, um, I'm very passionate about trying to obviously look at the preventative work, looking at perpetrator, um, looking at making women feel safer, more education um, for uh, particularly men and boys uh, in our community so that everyone is aware of, I think, the main sort of areas uh, that can cause violence against women, why that happens, what education we need to put in place. So that's um, certainly what it means to me personally. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Nick. And I'm really pleased there that we were talking around perpetrators and moving that dialogue on mm. from um, you know, why doesn't she leave? And Sue and I have had this conversation before turning around to why doesn't he stop? And um, I think it's probably one of the only areas where you would turn around to a victim to say, you need to do something about this to stop this, rather than looking at the perpetrator and saying, no, you need to yes. do this. And somehow, certainly around domestic abuse, we've kind of perpetuated that myth that it's down to the victim to sort it out so um, um sue you've obviously had um many years experience in, in this field so i'm just wondering from your side what does the um violence against women and girls and gender me mean to you um uh, thank you i mean I, I i'd like to i'd like to just share a, a conversation that i had yesterday with a colleague actually because i think it illustrates where i'm coming from um, and and we, we, we run a service for young people um, actually outside of Western Mercia and, and this was a, an issue that a colleague wanted to share with me around her decision making and she was recounting the experiences of a young woman that she's working with at the moment and the concerns that, um, that she and others have about the coercive control, mm. the extent to which that young woman is, is feeling pressured into, um, into engaging in, in sex when when she doesn't really want to, but she does that in order to keep the peace. Um, and and I I was as she was talking, I was reflecting on on the extent to which she was describing circumstances for a young woman as being issues of concern that people should be doing something about, 
that reflected what for me, and I'm in my 60s now, but what for me was actually par for the course when I was 14, 15, 16, and was exactly the same for my peers. I knew that all my friends were, were in the same, same kind of circumstances. And, and I think... Um, and, and I think it's interesting that, that, that we're, we're talking about this and thinking about violence against women and girls um, more at the moment because of the high profile um, uh, tragedies that we've had in the last 12 months, mm-hmm. Sarah Everard being, being one of those. But actually, those kind of experiences have been the experiences of women for much, much longer than the last 12 months, mm-hmm. certainly my lifetime. Certainly, I know my mum's lifetime, and and you can continue to go back. And I think that what the last 12 months has done has started to shine a light on those experiences, and I think it's it's beholden on us. And for me, mm-hmm. this is what I, this is personally what I feel is, is so important. It's, it's beholden on us to go, do you know what? It's not just those those ones that hit the headlines. This is happening to women and girls everywhere everywhere in the world mm. a lot worse in some places certainly everywhere in this country regardless of where they live regardless of the communities that they live in and it has been like that for well who knows yeah. a very very long time it is the norm mm. that's the frightening thing that's the really frightening thing and what the what the what the media does is it tends to lift things out and turn them into something that's an exception because that's news and that's what sells. But actually, that's the tip of an iceberg, which is the reality for most women and girls in this country. And I think this is everywhere. Um, and it's almost, you know, you read some horrific stories about cases that happen, um, uh, you know, in other countries as well. And um, it, it, it's almost an accepted, well, this kind of thing happens, but, you know, we've just got to kind of roll with it a bit. And that's just not not the case, is it? And I know, um, Jocelyn, in your uh, line of work, this again has, um, you know, has been uh, many years work for you um, around this particular area. So um, I, I just wondered for you personally, going on particularly some of the things that Sue's just said, what your what your views were, whether you would concur with Sue around it. Absolutely. And I think the thing when, when Sue was talking and you're saying about what does it mean to you personally, I have never understood why violence against women and girls is seen as a women-only problem. And as soon as you say this is something that affects women, it allows other people in the discourse to just say, oh, it's not my problem. And Sarah Everard, the you know, tragic murder, tragic circumstances, and it was that unusual stranger Stranger rape situation. The grim reality is that, you know, 86% of the people who are raped will know the person that's raped them, mm. probably partners, family members, and it's it's never reflected. You know, Sue said it's it's not the sensational part in the media. And I am a feminist. I, you know, cut my arm off, it says feminist all the way through. But I also feel that men can be feminists, and it's about that challenging that bystander mentality of which nothing to do with me. And if you see somebody being harassed in the street, if you, you know, see somebody who is vulnerable, step in, you know, as long as it's safe for you to do so. 
business about blaming the victim. And you started off by saying that in no other crime do you actually say to that person, well, what are you going to do about it? But with rape and sexual violence, it's constantly, well, what were you doing? Were you in the wrong place? What were you doing? And Sarah Everard was walking home, and one of the, the placards um, at the vigil was, she was just walking home. And surely, in 2022, the 21st century, should we not have an environment and a society where women and girls are free to go about their, their daily lives mm. without thinking, this is going to get me into trouble? This is, you know, what am I doing? And it's so programmed from an early age where you start off at school and somebody paints your bra strap or grabs your chest. You know, go into any pub or club and there will be sexual harassment and sexual assaults happening. But because we are conditioned as women just to accept it, and it's, oh, you know, it's what happened. I think you said, you know, you just put up with it. But why should we? And why, for me, the bit that really rattles me is... Why are we teaching our next generation of girls and boys that that behaviour is acceptable? And I think it's, I mean, that, that's so right. When you were talking there, I was thinking of the, um, you know, when you're told about, well, you can't go out dressed like that. You shouldn't get, you know, women, you, well, you shouldn't have been that drunk. Well, you shouldn't have walked up there. There are so many reasons why it's the victim's fault that this has happened. You know, why are they on their own at half 11 at night walking home? Well, that's just a stupid thing to do. You know, they're asking for it. You know, they're not in control of themselves because they've had too much to drink. But it's okay for men to do that. But it's not okay for women to do that because we're asking for something else to happen. So, um yeah, thank you. And I, I, I absolutely, um, you know, agree with the sentiments that, that we've been discussing around just that. It, it, why is it this is the only crime type where it's down to the victim to, to do something about yeah. it? And I think you've seen that in how certainly I would say that for my friends and family just uh, and colleagues as well. You, people have women and girls feel the need to change their behaviour to yeah. leave early. So it's not as um, unsafe to walk home at that time. And, and it shouldn't always come down to, to the potential victim or survivor of that scenario it should be men looking at how um, their behavior can change how they can make women feel more comfortable I had a gentleman walking past me um, the other evening which is very close in the dark and it, it was literally about a meter behind me and it just makes you feel yeah. very um, uncomfortable but I'm sure there was nothing meant by that thankfully nothing happened but that's just an example I think of how um, men and boys hopefully in our community can be more aware of how that can impact women and that it shouldn't always come down to us to change our behavior I mean I think the um, Holly and Jessica um you know horrendous murders is 20 years ago and they were not on their own they were not dressed in any way that you know could be deemed as being um provocative I think they'd got football shirts on I seem to remember at the at the time it was the middle of the afternoon and yet still mm. you know they weren't they weren't safe and that's 20 years ago and two two young girls you know they were they were 10 years of age I think there's that thing if if there are and you know saying about it not just being a women's issue but if there are this many men in the world and this many are abusers why are this many letting them get away with it yeah and that's the focus yeah. that i think it needs to change because whether it's violence against women and girls or men and boys the perpetrators are overwhelmingly men yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and both Sue and Jocelyn, I mean, what have your organisations done to support victims and, and survivors and perpetrators of org? What particular areas do you focus on to help um, those people in our community? Well, um, uh, Women's Aid works with um, 
Well, works with anyone who's experienced domestic abuse. I mean, over 95% of, of our client group are women and we're mm. a feminist organisation. We see domestic abuse as being a, a gendered phenomenon. It, it's the expression of, 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 of masculine power over women and it reflects the disadvantage that women experience in our society. So it's mm. not surprising that the majority of, of, of the victims of domestic abuse are women. We provide, um, we provide safe refuge for women that are forced to leave their homes because they're not safe to stay there. Yeah. Um, we provide um, a helpline, 24-7 helpline, so that any woman can contact us if she needs help or if she just needs to talk. We will have um, callers to our helpline who don't have to give us their names, who yeah. may talk about their abuse for the first time in their lives. Um, that, that abuse may have been 20 years ago, um, but it will still, it will still be integral to the way in which that woman sees herself and lives her life. Um, we offer support for children and young people and, and our work with young people is growing and, and mm. I, would, I would just want to say that the extent to which um, young women are experiencing abuse is alarming and, and there is very little comfort um, in the way in which in the way in which young men or young people I think see relationships at the moment um, that would that would that would lead me to believe that life is going to be any better and certainly technology is contributing to that with mm. the availability of, of, of the, the normalization mm. of, of abusive pornography and and violence um, and and the capacity to be able to share images and to co coerce young women into sharing images and then seeing those as being something that you can share with with all of your mates I mean circumstances are actually worse I think for young women today than they were for me in my time and they were a challenge then um, so so our services are, are there to provide whatever support we can to help to make women to enable women to make themselves safe working really closely with the police in order to do that um, and to enable them to find a way to um, to recover and rebuild their lives because domestic abuse is 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 is, um, is the ultimate betrayal it's it's the abuse of power it's it's torture mm. it's harassment it's often physical violence it's often sexual violence by someone who at the same time purports to love you mm. uh, who may be the who may be the father of your children, children. And I think harmful sexualized behaviors is is the um is going to be the next wave that's that's already on us, isn't it? Because you know, I can remember, I mean I'm I'm 52, but I can remember when, you know, to access pornography was a really difficult thing to be able to try and do because I can remember there was um this shelf. I mean, only being five foot two, I could never reach the top shelf anyway. But there would be a top shelf with those magazines that have got some brown paper wrapped around the centre of them and um, and we certainly you had no you know even when the young men were trying to access it you had no chance of accessing any type of no. pornography you couldn't get those off the shelf and there wasn't anything else now tap tap into your phone and there it is whatever you want whatever kind you want and I don't think I think people see that as an image of something for them to look at. I don't think they realise the people who are involved in that, what they're going through, what they've been made to do in order to do this. Um, you know, and it's sort of a, well, it's a choice for some people. Well, is it? Is that really the choice they, they want to make? Yeah. And uh, Justin, I think we were going to sort of ask you about the same, about your, your organisation and, um, and VORG. What have you been doing around VORG in particular? 
Well, we work with um, all survivors of all forms of sexual violence, so whether it's rape, sexual assault, abuse, exploitation. And we work with survivors from the age of five plus. Mm. So we have some very, very young children coming through through the doors to receive support. And we also put in support for non-abusing family members as well. We have a range of services. There's the advocacy service that supports through the criminal justice process. There's a therapy service, the counselling service, which supports clients for long-term therapy because recovering from sexual violence isn't a short six to eight sessions and you're in and you're out. But at the moment, we have a helpline, we do online chat, we have a range of resources. Um, and we work across Herefordshire, Worcestershire and uh, a, part, a little part of Shropshire. In the last 12 months, we've developed new services. Um, we have an LGBTQIA plus advocacy, advocacy worker, um, a cultural responsive advocacy worker, and also Branch Plus we've developed, which is for those women and girls particularly, because as Sue said, it is very much a gendered crime. But for those girls who are, and young women, who are going to move from being exploited as children as being exploited as adults. And picking up your point about saying, well, is it a choice? Well, if your choice is you either feed your kids and keep the roof over your head and sell your body, is that really a choice? Absolutely. Alongside that, you're asking about perpetrator programmes. Um, and I, I really don't like the word perpetrator because we work with children and young people. And it's about the harmful sexualised behaviour. Mm. What we were finding when we started our children's service is that we started to have children who had both been abused, they'd experienced abuse, but they had also harmed another child as well. And that led us onto this sort of development of a service to say, well, this is clearly happening. And, you know, the rise of pornography, the impact of moving images on children and, and thinking that it's normal because mm-hmm. it doesn't come with a, a warning, no. you know, and the way that it's impacting on society and impacting on young people is really quite startling I think is is the word so we what we are doing is we can complete assessments now um, for children who have displayed harmful or problematic sexualized behavior so they might be um, they might have assaulted another child they might be displaying behaviors appropriately in inappropriate places and working to see how we can make an intervention because the thing about sexual violence is unless we start with education and that comes back to the theme of it's everybody's problem how are we ever going to tell people that there needs that there needs to be a change so if you can put in at the start this is this is a healthy relationship this is a healthy behavior these behaviors are unacceptable no matter who is doing them to you and what is happening you can i think you can make a real change and with that when organisations have started to look at peer-on-peer abuse where abuse is happening between children of the same age group. Mm. When you start looking at that, it can be, well, you've got somebody who's a victim, but there's also a safeguarding risk around the child that's perpetrated the sexual Mm. violence. And we need to make an intervention to try and change that, change their trajectory for life so that they don't Mm. go on and and repeat those behaviours and damage more people as they go. 
Yeah, I think you raised a really interesting point there, Jocelyn, as you say, it's very much about working people proactively, mm. changing behaviours and not, I suppose, as you say, putting them in that category of a perpetrator. Um, I think, as you say, it's about working with people. And I think the, the rise of sadly online pornography, as we've talked about, really is just amplified that people assuming things they're seeing online as you say there's no warnings that abusive no. sexual relationships are, are normalized which which is so highly concerning and even where there are age warnings like grand theft auto which you know we haven't worked with a child yet who hasn't accessed grand theft auto and the amount of abuse that is in there where you can pay for a, a prostitute and if you kill her you don't have to pay her well, if you've got a 12 year old, you know, you can go into a lap dancing club. Oh. Yeah, and I think the big concern is how commercialised it's become. It's only yeah. growing very, very, uh, I suppose, concerningly. I mean, what do you think could be done more by individual society to try and address this, Jocelyn, in your mind? What, what do you think we need to be focusing on to try and address the problem, essentially? I think we need to be more courageous as a society. I think we need to be able to, I mean, we're working with Herefordshire and Worcestershire on um, Safer Streets, which is like a bystander intervention, working with door staff, taxi staff, so that if you see somebody who is vulnerable or if you see somebody who is in trouble, you challenge that behaviour. Mm. Similarly, if you're, you know, a young lad and you're out with a group of lads and they're catcalling somebody, challenge the behaviour. If you wouldn't want yeah. anybody to say it to your mum or your nan, don't say it. It's yeah. not appropriate. Yeah. You know, that's the limit. And... You know, a lad probably about three months ago, and I said, well, you know, would you say that to your sister? And he said, well, nobody's there to my sister. She's my sister. But that girl's somebody mm. else's sister. So put a bit of thought into it, put a bit of context. There is inequality, and, you know, the, the whole thing about women and, women and girls and International Women's Day, it is about challenging that bias. The thing that has always, always gobsmacks me is that Rape within a marriage wasn't a crime until ninety one, ninety two. You know, you know, how is that? How is that even possible? And people still, we still have people coming to the centre going, "Oh, you've made your bed, you've got to lie in it." So mm. we need to be challenging that, supporting yeah. women and girls, educating all of our children, so that they have got the confidence and adults as well to be able to say that's just not appropriate. We're not going to achieve change and stop domestic abuse or sexual violence until we can actually challenge that imbalance in society as well. Yeah. That women have got just as much right to be wherever they are, whenever they are, yeah. and be who they are. Yeah. And I think it's got to be in the home as well, hasn't it? You know, parents have got to be, you know, understanding what their children are doing, where their children are, who they're with, the types of things they say, the types of things they watch, read you know, all, all, all of this. And, and it's getting in there really early on, isn't it, to stop this behaviour just becoming a, a, a cyclical. Um. So if we had one message that we wanted to pass on to our um, listeners about Vogue, what would it be? I think mine is that, um, that very early on challenging these behaviours when you hear them, um, you know, when you when you come across it in, in, in your lives, um, just having the confidence to just say, that's that's not acceptable. That would be mine. 
Yeah, and I think as you were saying, Jocelyn, it's calling it out at every opportunity. I know that, that some people do purely say it in jest, but jest can, as, as you were just sort of referring to, um, you know, I think it is very much challenging those perceptions, those behaviours, yeah. looking at healthy yeah. relationships. I think it has to start in schools and in the home, as Tracy was just talking through. Um, it's, it's absolutely vital that we start to change people's perception of relationships. Um, and equally, as you say, being much more courageous, I think, about calling it out in our society and taking yeah. that proactive action. Absolutely. And what would yours be, Justin? Be that violence against women and girls is everybody's problem. It's mm. not just women and girls. And that, you know, we need everybody's help to make changes. Yeah, and I think that has to come from, and I've seen it quite a bit on social media, men standing up to say this, this is a, a male problem, owning that, that issue. Yeah. Um, and I think that's been really powerful to hear that from men actually taking that ownership of it, that it isn't just a female problem, that they need to work with um, like-minded individuals, their community, to actually call out certain behaviours that's coming from people in their community. I think that's a really powerful message when, when men actually stand up and actually take that, that ownership of the problem as well. I think it comes down to respect as well, doesn't it? You know, you respect other people, treat them as you would want to be treated. And, yeah, Mm. make a positive change. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's been brilliant. I mean, this is one of a series of um, podcasts that we're going to be doing, isn't it, on looking at violence against women and girls, seeing what Vogue means to them um, as part of a a wider sort of campaign we're focusing on. We want to talk, hear us. So um, it's been really interesting to hear both of your views and and to hear everyone. See you. And you too. Bye.